I'm oh. seeing like Meta stopped hiring. I'm seeing Snapchat report like disappointing earnings. I'm seeing a bunch of people just like halt, either halt hiring or like lay off a bunch of their workforce. Matter of fact, I'll tell you a quick story. Like I was following up with a potential client that I was going to be speaking at their company. And I was like, yo, I, I found out and saw like you jumped to another company. Congrats on your new role. Would you be able to put me on with the team that took over from you? Essentially the, the, the new ERG leads. And she was like, yo, we just had like three rounds of layoffs. The ERG doesn't exist anymore. I was like, what? Dímelo mi gente. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Dueres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. Now on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism. So every week we have a new guest join us to explore the conflict that they have experienced between professionalism and authenticity. This week is a little bit different. Every month, my friend Odalis and I have a live conversation on LinkedIn on a series that we're doing called Unfiltered. It's supposed to be a raw and uncut behind the scenes look on what it's like to be a Latino and Latina working in tech. She actually also has a podcast and it's called Hella Latino. And between her and I, both of our platforms are all about sharing other people's stories and experiences. So this monthly series that we're having on LinkedIn is our opportunity to share our own experiences and what's happening in our own lives with our community. It's also a rare opportunity for the community to participate in the conversation as it's happening. It's not pre-recorded. So every month on the last Friday of the month, you can join Odalis and I live on LinkedIn and join in on the conversation. You can ask questions, you can make comments. And as you'll hear in this episode, we'll be calling out the names and the comments and the questions throughout the conversation. So if you want to join the next conversation, be sure to add Odalis and I. I'll leave links in the show notes with our LinkedIn profiles so you can join the next conversation. Now that you have a little bit more context into the combo, let's just get into it. Oh, dope. And we back unfiltered. Yes, back with another one. It's oh, been a minute. So a lot of a lot of things have happened. A lot of things have happened. Excited to talk about all of those things that have happened. Hector, what's up? Hey, Hector. LinkedIn Anonymous user. LinkedIn user. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what's happened, Babel? Tell us about... First of all, I need to give you some credit because Babel was actually at a company. I don't know if I can say this, but he was featured yeah. in a LinkedIn thing. And so all of the LinkedIners got to see your your face, got to see your story. And so Pavel is out here, y'all making moves. So shout out to Pavel. Yo, it's it's really crazy how all that came about. I think you were the one that put me on with, with the opportunity though, right? Yeah, the sides need to show up for each other. That's how it goes. <laughs> Facts. It, it's it's crazy. So tell me about like because I didn't even know how many people were really gonna see that video, but Odalis put me on with somebody at LinkedIn. And, you know, they're doing a lot of brand work at LinkedIn about redefining professionalism. So they were like, yo, you should meet Pavel. Like, he's doing a ton of work on that. Mm -hmm. And then come to find out, we record a video and I'm like sharing my story. Yo, I even sent the team a picture that like of like me young as hell. Are no you in beer. a hallway or something like that? Or in a... <laughs> I was like, oh, is that a little Pavel right there? <laughs> <laughs> yo, no lie. That's the first time my girlfriend has seen my chin. <laughs> because <laughs> i had like, no facial hair <laughs> yeah yeah 
no, it was it was so dope. I I got to see the part of it after um your and I think it's just so powerful when you see people from your hood, from your community in a in a corporate setting. You know what I mean? Like we don't see enough of y'all. So I think it's it's super dope that I got to be like the the bridge. I mean, she reached out about you. Like I wasn't like, oh, she talked about Ben. She was like, do you know Pavel? Like I saw you guys did like a little unfiltered thing, and I was like, he's the homie. Let me tell you about him. Let me put you on. Um, so I think it's just like I was just the plug there, but it was all Pavel, all his story, and I hope he got some followers from LinkedIn from that. So you're dope. Yo, followers, and it was you want to like... see who you want to know who's seen it, like the whole company. So really, <laughs> no big deal. Yo, matter of fact, people were like sending me pictures of them like in the cafe or whatever. And they're like, yo, you're on TV. I was like, wait, what? And it was like me in the in that project hallway. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. That that picture was so dope. I was like, oh, look at him. <laughs> Little youngin. But yeah, I yeah. just wanna just wanna give him a big shout out for that. Cause I think we like we said, we're all about amplifying other people's stories, but like how often do we talk about our own? So I know that's why this space is here, but also I'm glad you got to be on the big screen at LinkedIn. The big facts. That was a good time. Um, I mean, that's that's something that I've been celebrating, just like getting more opportunities. What about you? Anything anything to celebrate, anything you're really excited about? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I, um, I'm celebrating these little wins that I'm getting. Um, so I have a, I'm speaking at a conference, a first gen conference. So I think that's just so dope. And like, it's, I want to highlight just connections and the power of relationships because this girl, I used to be, I used to be an orientation leader in college. It's a whole different life, but I used to be an orientation leader and her and I were, um, we were like, just we worked together and she reached out and was like, mind you, I haven't talked to her in years. And she was like, Hey, I see your content. I love your, your platform. I love what you're doing. She's like, I lead this conference would love for you to come. There's about 300 plus like first gen students that come through. And I was like, okay. okay. So I'm doing that. Trying to, trying to really celebrate. I think there's, we're always in this, like I could be doing more, you know, mentality or like, I'm not doing enough. And I feel like when you sit down and people like you remind me all the time, like when you sit down and just remind yourself, like you're doing everything you can, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're doing a lot. And not to be complacent in that, but to like acknowledge it, celebrate it and still want more and have those feelings kind of coexist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yo, that's a lot of people. 300 people? 300 people. I know. <laughs> and is this going to be live is in person? I wish. No, it's going to be virtually. But yeah, I've okay. been I've been doing, you know, we out here, Pavel, we out here making moves, trying to like inspire more people, tell people more about um, the work that we're doing and I think just like we're, I'm guessing us up, but like we're paving the way for like other folks who want their own platform, want to tell their own story. And so I think it's, it's a really powerful thing. What you and I, and a lot of people are doing is just creating that space for more of you and me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I'd love to get into like side hustles and all of those things. And I think those are even now more important than ever, because as much as we're celebrating it's kind of some scary times out there. Like, I feel like every time I go on the news and, you know, besides the the things around like gun control and, and all of those things, but even like every time I go on the news, it's like another round of tech layoffs. 
I'm oh. seeing like Meta stopped hiring. I'm seeing Snapchat report like disappointing earnings. I'm seeing a bunch of people just like halt, either halt hiring or like lay off a bunch of their workforce. Matter of fact, I'll tell you a quick story. Like I was following up with a potential client that I was going to be speaking at their company. And I was like, yo, I, I found out and saw like you jumped to another company. Congrats on your new role. Would you be able to put me on with the team that took over from you? Essentially, the, the, the new ERG leads. And she was like, yo, we just had like three rounds of layoffs. The ERG doesn't exist anymore. I was like, what? Have you been hearing similar things like with, within your friends, within your oh network? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's a scary time. And uh, I just want to, I almost said girl. Girl. Um, but <laughs> girl but i it's it's really it's a really hard time and i think it's like you hear these layoffs budget freezes like hiring freezes i'm hearing all those like buzzwords like in different spaces with the homies and like you know all my friends work in tech at this point and so i think we're all like job security and how hard is it it's almost like what i feel and i don't know if you feel the same way Pavel, but or i guess you're not in tech anymore you're full full entrepreneur. So you have your own thing that you're dealing with, which I'd love to know about. But I think for me, there's, it's a heavy burden of like, okay, well, if I don't have, if I don't have job security, that means I can't help my parents anymore. What does that mean for them? Um, that probably means I have to move out of my apartment. And like, I think worst case scenario, which is also like some I'm working on, but I, I think of the worst possible case scenario of like, I'd have to move back home. I'd have to take care of them. I can't, be paying Bay Area rent. Like there's a lot of different things that have gone through my mind. And what I'm really trying to do, because I know myself and I know I can go into this black hole of like pensando en todo, you know what I mean? Like thinking the absolute worst, but I try to like come back to self and check in with myself. And I'm like, well, what, what's in my control right now? Like, what can I do right now? Um, and also I think you heard me earlier, like the coexisting feelings. I think I'm, I'm coming to terms with like, you can be both a hustler being ambitious, but you can also be scared and have a little bit of fear. You know what I mean? Like feelings can coexist. And so I'm almost like coming to terms with that a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I think it's wild too, because you, you're not even, I feel like you just started working there. And I'm sure when you first started working, the emotion was like, at, at, like drinking the Kool-Aid, like everything's going so oh, well. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm finally here. And like so quickly, this shit could turn out to be like, what? wait, we was we went from like, I'm about to hire 10 people on my team to now we're not hiring anybody? Right, right. Just like that. Just like that. And to keep it 100 with you, I'm a contractor. So I think about contractors at other companies, like we tend to be the first to go, like, or I don't know how that works. I'm, I'm the first, I'm, it's first time in tech for me. So I don't know how that works, but like, is that the case? Like contractors, do they go out first? Like, I think it's a, it's just a really scary time. Um, and like Melissa said, it's like seeing what's happening is super discouraging. And I mean, I don't know if there's research on this, but a lot of the people I've seen on LinkedIn that have been not at LinkedIn, the company, but on the platform that have been laid off are POCs. And I don't know, like, is that, is that, am I, is it just me and the people that I follow? Is it me seeing one side of the story? Like, I just wonder how many people, how hard it is for them to come to terms with what's going on right now because there's so much more responsibility on our shoulders and so much pressure on our shoulders that I think a lot of people, our colleagues, can't really relate to. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I I mean, like a lot of people are saying, like Melissa, as a as a job seeker, because I, I think there's two sides of it, right? Like mm. one, like you, you're a job seeker looking for employment. A lot of companies are st- are like halting employment, but you as a as an employee, you're you're sort of juggling this idea of like, am I going to be next? Am I going to be that person? And then you're going to be the job seeker, right? But it's interesting too, like that idea of contractors. So I, I've never been a contractor, but I've worked with a bunch of contractors. Yeah. And in my experience, it's so interesting, this idea. First of all, like I really don't understand the purpose of contractor. For example, I've worked with a colleague who was a contractor and then she had a six month contract. And then she was at the company at Meta for literally like two or three years. So she would just get her contract renewed every two to three, every like six months. But like yeah. in reality, she was working there for two years. But Whenever mm-hmm. she would apply for a full-time job, she would never get it. Meanwhile, wow. they would hire somebody from outside. But, like, here's a person who has two years of experience in that same role that she's applying for, yet she can't get a full-time role after that. It's And I've been and I've been to so many just, like, meetings or ERG events where they can't even participate. And I'm just like, why? Yeah. It, it, it's it's, fa- it's fascinating. I don't get it. It's wild. I, I'm going to be real with you. I feel like I have a very different contractor experience at LinkedIn because I have my voice on the platform, right? Like we, we, I, I'm like posting every day about what I'm feeling, thinking my podcast, like projects like this. Like, I feel like people know who I am because of my platform, which is kind of dope. You know what I mean? Like they know me as, oh, you're hella Latina, or you're hella first gen, or you're doing the unfiltered with Pavel. I feel like it's super dope to be known for those things, but I, I mean, I used to work at a contracting agency, so I feel like my perspective is so, it's so weird. Like, I remember telling the first-gen students I was talking to, the Black and Brown students, Black and Latino students I was talking to, like, go for those contractor positions. Like, go for it just because that's your entryway into tech. How many times do we tell first-gens, Black, Latino students, like, it's okay, go for those contractor roles, but how often do we encourage them to go for the employment roles? And like, I- I'm kind of unpacking these feelings with myself now. I'm like, yo, I used to be on the other side. Like I wasn't a contractor when I was working at that contracting agency. I never experienced it, but I was encouraging folks to do it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's really interesting to unpack that with myself. <laughs> That's really interesting. But, but it, I remember when you and I were having the conversation though, like, I'm like, yo, but you got, you got it on your resume. Like you you're not that oh, yeah. you're like set for life, but like you're set in the sense of comparing yourself to other people that don't have like that quote unquote big tech name on their resume. Oh my God. It, no, that's it would true. likely be a lot easier for you to get that, that next job or that next opportunity. One of my, one of my homies, she, uh, used to yo, work Melissa's, at eBay. Melissa's like clapping her hands. Like, yes, girl. Yes. Yes, girl. Um, one of my, one of my homegirls, um, her name is Debbie. You met her. Um, she worked at eBay and she said she was a contractor there no benefits none of that you know like contractors depending on the company don't get anything um she was one of those people and she left ebay though the point about having it on her resume she got hit up by all these tech companies tech recruiters saying hey like we have this job and that job and she was like i never before that you know what i mean like it it really does open those doors and now she's working at facebook or on the Oculus team, she's been there for about two years and she's, she's making good money. She got her benefits. Like, and it's one of those things that like, I think it's, it's a really powerful way to get into tech, but I'm like, 
now that I'm thinking about myself a couple years ago at that contracting agency, I'm like, oh, I wish I could have told them that's not the only way into tech. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. So it's, it's I first gen that presentation with them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but Yo, but it is fascinating too, because, you know, I'm a full-time entrepreneur now and I'm trying to build my own company and, and like, it's just as scary because oh, if, companies, if companies stop hiring, if, you know, what they're really doing is cutting costs, right? And I'm not like growing money outside and like cutting it down off of a tree. Like they're the ones <laughs> that have to pay me, you know what I mean? So right. like if money stops for hiring, money stops for everything, you know what I mean? So yeah, uh, they, they're trying to save their coins and you're trying to make your coins and you're like, oh, where can I make it? You know what I mean? Like, and it's just... It's scary. It's scary. And honestly, Pavel, it's low-key, like, bringing up a lot of trauma because the last time there was a recession was when my family lost their home. And we were, like, we that's when we experienced homelessness. And we were, like, it's such a traumatic point in my life that I'm, like, I, I feel those feelings coming back up of, like, okay, well, if I don't have job security, what am I going to do? And, like, do I save now? And, like, and that's why my brain goes there. And trying to figure out, like, what can I do? Like, I can't even imagine being an entrepreneur or having to be a job seeker again. Like, yo, y'all already know my story about being a job seeker for eight months and how hard it was for me to like do these interviews, like get through the door. And like, just the thought of like, that could potentially be a reality again of having to go through those same interviews. And I think it's one of those things I'm like, I just want to be, I just want to like chill, have my monies and like be, do you know what I mean? <laughs> But it requires some hustle or whatever. <laughs> I mean, my tapping into what my therapist would say, she would tell me that no matter what story you're thinking of, like you're completely making up that story, right? Because it's impossible to predict the future. Who knows, like when your contract is over, Snapchat or Meta or Google don't reach out and be like, yo, perfect timing. Like we're actually looking for we're actually looking for someone with your skills and and experience. Yet I feel like, yeah. and I'm just the same way. Right. So I'm empathizing with you. Like my mind. Well, I struggle with anxiety and like that leads to depression. Right. But with anxiety, the way I try to describe it is like I have the most difficult time staying in the present. Like I can't even watch a Netflix show with my girl and not think about 10 steps ahead. Like while I'm watching the show, I'm like, oh, I want to create that show. What would it take to create that show? How much money would it take? Like, what if I fundraise? What if I get this? What if, what if I do that? Like, who would I cast? Like, I'm like thinking 10 steps ahead and completely outside of the zone and realm of like what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And ultimately, when I think about those things and I'm thinking 10 steps ahead, my mind goes to worst case scenarios. You know what it I mean? It does. It does. I feel like it low key brings us back to a time where we were operating from survival. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what we knew. I mean, at least for me, like, that's what I knew with my family. Like, it was like my mom has high anxiety, like, call it functioning anxiety, call it whatever you want. But like, she was, she's, she's always been an anxious person because I can't imagine what it's like to be a, like a, a single young Latina mom immigrating to a country with all these kids and like trying to figure out what can I do to feed my kids? You know what I mean? And like, there's so much about my mom that's in me that like, she was always that way growing up. Like, she's like, you can't sleep over this person's house. Like, what if this happens? What if that like happens? And she would kind of like scare me into like, don't go anywhere except for school. 
So I feel like I still have that part of me that's like worries to the core. Do you know what I mean? And I'm trying to figure out, but anxiety is a whole different thing that I can't understand, but my mom has it. And honestly, like living with that was always really hard because I wanted her to just like calm down and like chill and just sit back and relax. But like, I don't think she knows how to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, apparently neither do we, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) But Hadi brings up a good point. She's like, yo, that is like one thing to consider is that you are much more experienced and skilled at this point. And the experience will be much different compared to eight months ago. Yeah, a hundred percent. So how do you how do you tell yourself knowing that you have a lot more experience, but you typically go towards that like worst case scenario? Like, how do you try to bring yourself back and say, like, nah, I'm gonna be all right? It's a lot of affirmations, honestly. Um, and you know what validates me is my podcast. Like having Hello Latino is just so validating for me. I know it's outside of what I do for like work, but my podcast is work and it's work that I love. And I feel like it's so validating when people say thank you for creating this platform and thank you for doing these speaking events and thank you for keeping it real. Thank you for creating these events and experiences for me. Like, I think it's it's the the affirmations I get from external folks that reminds me like, okay, I can't sit here and just like self-pity myself. You know what I mean? Like I, I have work to do and I have places to go and I got people looking at me and I got you know, even my family, like outside of just like people who listen to the podcast and people who are watching this, like, I'm like, my family is like looking at me too. Like my nieces, nephews, the the younger ones in my generations, like, which I've talked to you on your podcast about before. It's like, I, I look at my nephews who are still growing up in Southeast San Diego and I want them to look at me and be like, well, Tia's out there. Like I could do that too. You know what I mean? And so I feel like it's my podcast almost reminds me of my why. And I'm like, telling myself in the mirror, I'm like, you a bad bitch, you got to go. Like, hello, Latina girl, you know what I mean? Like, we ain't got time to, like, just sit here in our fields. Let's acknowledge it, but let's not let it stop us. You know what I mean? So I think it's a lot of affirmations. That validation is is so interesting, too, because on one side, I'm, I'm like, the same exact way because I get DMs and I get messages and all these things. And I actually had, like, a my first – well, no, my second in-person – uh like keynote or speaking engagement. I saw that. Congrats. Yo, it was it was so dope. But the dopest part about it for me was like after the after it, after the QA, after the presentation, just like people coming up to me and essentially giving me that validation, telling me like this was needed. People were like, yo, can you show this to my mom? Uh <laughs> can you show this to my manager? And like people, yeah. there was even this one woman that came up and literally was just like crying as she was thanking me and i was like yo and in the in the whole time i'm like almost like how can i bottle that shit up and like open it whenever i need it you know what i mean yeah like i i feel like i depend i'm starting to realize how much i depend on validation i never thought i was a person that depended on validation until i started my own business has started running it. Maybe it's because I'm like by myself, but that shit motivates me. Like when people oh, tell yeah. me that the work I'm doing is impactful, that tells me that I should keep going. You know what I mean? Do you think but it's I'm, because I'm, I'm you feel so seen? 
Like, do you think that that's what it is? Like to feel seen is to feel validated, right? Like, is it, do you think it's because they're seeing you for like what you're doing and the work that you've created? Like, is it that? Cause sometimes I feel like it's that for me. Yeah. 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 Not only that, but I guess like who's saying it as well. Yeah. Like people that look like me, people that have been through similar things. I'm almost like imagining myself at their age because, you know, sometimes they're they're like younger people. And I'm like, damn, what if I had me at that point? You know what I mean? Like the type of impact I would have. But it's hilarious, too, because I've been. I think the stereotypical like the stereotypes around women. Right. It's just like. Oh, they need a ton of validation in their relationship. You got to tell them how they look. They look good. Oh my God, that looks this. Oh my God, blah, blah, right? Um, and I never thought about like, no, it's not just women. Like we all need validation just in different ways, right? And yeah. it's interesting when I started thinking about my my validation, it is also very stereotypically male because what I'm getting validation for is really my job, what I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just kind of like tied to money, whereas like, you know, stereotypical men is kind of like tied to money, stuff like that. Yeah. Huh. It's so it's so interesting. And I feel like it's um I'm like thinking about love languages. Oh um, well, yeah. I'm looking at Melissa. I have toxic relationship with planning for the worst. Uh, same. Um I believe it's prepared me to save me a few times, but also mental part of that. We don't realize how that affects us. Yeah, I'm I'm a planner. So oh, I feel same. you, Melissa. But yeah. yeah, I yeah, same. It, Sorry, and it's and it's like no, don't worry about it. But I think it's it, it's like almost like that's our survival though. It like protects us to plan. You know what I mean? It protects us to have to think about the worst case scenario and like plan for it ahead because we can we feel like we can control a lot of that. And to an extent we can through planning, through like saving whatever that looks like. But I think it's like Again, it's the coexisting feelings where like you can acknowledge the spirit and let it know it's there and like don't like push it away, but just again acknowledge it, but also know that there's this other side of it where it is the unknown. So how do you navigate that? Um that's I forgot what I was gonna say before that, but I think that just really hit. Like I'm like the, the coinciding feelings, like the duality of feelings. I feel like I I used to be so uncomfortable with it before. I'm like, am I stressed or am I happy? Like what, you know what I mean? Like, what is it? And I think allowing the feelings to manifest itself in in union almost is is kind of like a healing and powerful thing at the same time. It's interesting that people are even starting to mention their love languages, like words of affirmation. Yo, shout out to Phil. What's up? That's not my love language. What's your love language? Have you actually well, taken the quiz though or not? I have taken I have taken the quiz. Oh, okay, okay. But I guess I guess it's weird for my love language to be tied to business because my love language is physical touch. Oh. <laughs> You're like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, that's so funny. I think I think it's so it's physical touch and also quality time. Oh, well, the podcast kind of fits the quality time. Mine is my number one is quality time, too. And I honestly, when I don't have my podcast, like I think I didn't record for like a week or so. I was like, damn, I need to talk to somebody like I just want to have a conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think there's power in that quality time. My love language is also it's quality time. And then words of affirmation and physical touch are like tied. But my words of affirmation is huge. Like I need my affirmations and I unpack this with myself like it started when I was a kid and like 
getting validation from my tough parents was like hard. And because not because they were like unloving or anything, but because they were busy, they were tired. Like I didn't ever want to, I never wanted to bother them with things. And so I would only show them the best of the best. Like if I got an A, I'd be like, mommy, papi, mira, like I got it. You know, I got the A and they're like, okay, like good. Um, after a while they'd be like, okay, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Get an A. <laughs> Cause I would always bring them A's. And then I started going for more. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a, I'm gonna get this award and I'm gonna bring home the award and I would show it to them. And like, I was almost like constantly seeking their validation. And I find myself doing that now too. Um, I think I've come a long way from that, but I think it's the words of affirmation. When I saw it on my love languages, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I need the words of affirmation. Are you like that at work too? You know, um, I would say a little bit. Yeah. Like I, I love to be affirmed. Like I'm always asking for feedback, which is such a funny observation I've had in the workplace the last couple of years. Like my last manager, she was so dope. And every time I would ask her feedback, she'd be like, I don't have anything for you. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Am I doing everything right? Like, tell me you love me. <laughs> like I would just ask, <laughs> I would just ask for like validation of things that I was doing. And like, I think I definitely need that in the workplace. I need that in a lot of different places. And it's not so much like, I don't need people to gas me up. I just need to like know that what I'm doing is worth it and that it's, it's, it's helping or that it's being like, you know, uh, making an impact or like, I just need to know what I'm doing has meaning behind it. And I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. Cause, uh, like one of my last posts was about performance reviews and I feel like, mm -hmm most people well in corporate whenever i would get feedback i felt like the positive validation was like rarely there like oh, i feel wow. like when people hear the word feedback they typically think what can i improve on you know what i mean and they automatically right. assume that they're doing a good job um it's not that i never got positive validation i did i just feel like what was that what's the, what's the um thing that they always say is the sandwich technique there was like oh yes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, and I feel like the sandwich yeah. is like way thicker on the bread, <laughs> which is like the negative shit than like a thin ass slice of whatever yeah. the hell meat you have. You know what I mean? Or it's just not yeah. even meat, it's like a piece of lettuce in there. Yeah. Oh. How it's, do you. And then that, I, I feel like that reinforces the idea of you're never doing enough. You know what I mean? Oh my. That. Well, I want to ask you before we get into that whole conversation <laughs> around not feeling enough, because that's a whole conversation in its own. But how. I've never been through a performance review in tech. So like, what does that look like? And like, how is it triggering? Cause I feel like I'm the type of person that likes feedback in the moment. Like if I didn't do, like I'm a kid, like I will forget what I did and then I'll feel hurt if you like mention it like a hell along from then, you know what I mean? <laughs> I like knowing in the moment, like, oh, I was supposed to do that. Okay, now I know. I don't like the idea of a performance review. Cause I'm like, are you just saving all the feedback for that moment? Like, that's hard, <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> So how was that? Like, how was that for you? Before answering that question, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Okay, we're back, y'all. 
let's get into performance reviews and how they work in most of these tech companies. So in my experience, when you join one of these big tech companies, they typically have a rubric or an expectations grid in place. So when you get the job, let's say that you join as a client solutions manager, which is essentially an account manager, you're typically given a level. So you can either be client solutions manager one through seven, with one being straight out of college and seven being a very experienced person in that role. So depending on your level, there's a different level, depending on your level, there's a different expectation that comes along with your performance. Someone at a level seven is going to do a lot more work in that role and a lot more, and is going to lead a lot more senior level relationships compared to someone at a level one. Makes sense? Hopefully that's simple. That said, when we get into performance reviews, the expectations kind of get thrown out the window. Let me explain. The expectations are really there for a baseline, but when you go into the performance review, you're essentially being compared to everyone at your level. So let's say you join at a level three and there are 50 other client solutions managers or account managers at that level. Let's also assume that everyone is going above and beyond what is listed on the expectation grid. The expectation is really now the average of the work that everyone is doing at that level. So for simplistic terms, let's assume everyone that's at, a, that's at a level three is doing literally nothing at work. They go to work, clock in, and they take a nap. If you go above and beyond just taking a nap, then you are going to exceed expectations because the average, or let's call it the expectation, is that all the level threes are just taking naps. Now, how this really goes into play is that no one's taking a nap. In fact, these tech companies hire a lot of type A people that are obsessed with exceeding expectations. So the expectation that you'll just do your work and get by or do your work and even get promoted never happens. Because in order to even meet the expectations to get a decent rating, you have to exceed those expectations because the average performance of these type A people that are obsessed with getting the recognition at work, that's what you have to strive for. And as you'll hear in the conversation, your rating impacts how you get paid, impacts your bonus. And in some companies, even impacts the level of access to benefits that you're able to receive. Now that you know a little bit more about performance reviews, let's continue the conversation and I'll share some more thoughts on how it makes me feel beyond it being just an anxiety inducing process. How do you feel about that? <laughs> um, Let's unpack it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think from a business standpoint, it makes sense why they would do it. It's a little bit, it's, it's essentially competitive right. and it, it kind of in some ways makes everyone perform at a higher level. I would think, right? Mm -hmm. Because the average is not what they communicated. The average is what everyone else is doing around them. And everyone wants to get a higher bonus. Everyone else wants to do all these things, right? But at the same time, I think that there's a lot of people that like don't want to do that work. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you're not performing at the level that everyone else is performing, it's not that you're not doing a good job. You just don't want to dedicate that much time out of your life to do that type of work. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. maybe some people have lives outside of work and right. they don't want to spend everything. They don't want to spend all their time doing those sort of things. Right. So 
I just think you get looked down upon if you don't strive to exceed expectations. Like it's almost yeah. like you look you get looked down upon if you just want to meet them. It's it's super hard because I think like I think just being in these spaces sometimes makes you feel like you could be doing more. You could be doing more and how hard is it to put so much of your time, energy, passion into something and feel like you're just not moving. You know what I mean? Like I compared it to like being on a treadmill and just feeling like you're going at full speed, but you're just in the same position. Like, and when can that work? And I think about so many people who work in these spaces and I'm just thinking like, I hope that someone's seeing them and validating them and not pushing them to be like, I just feel like it is those type A personalities that people want, but I'm like, there's value in all personalities. You know what I mean? Like there's value in having just people be and exist and knowing that they have lives outside of this little screen. You know what I mean? So I think, and that's one of the reasons I I do love, I'm not trying to drink the LinkedIn Kool-Aid, but one of the reasons I do love LinkedIn because I have never met so many people in a space that like are all about wellness. And I'm like, y'all really about this life. Like y'all really like trying to help us maintain and preserve our mental health. And I have never really been part of a space like that. And it's still weird for me. I'm still like, am I supposed, can I take a walk? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's, it's still something that I'm getting used to, but I think in so many places, the world just has a weird way of making you feel like you're just not enough. And how do you tell yourself a different story? Like, it's it's so interesting. Yeah, organizational culture is really interesting because, I mean, some of y'all probably saw the article, but the story of me quitting TikTok got a lot of buzz. And the episode I did about quitting got a lot of buzz. It was like a Wall Street Journal article. And um, a lot of people have been hitting me up. And it's, it's weird because when I told my story and then people picked it up, this, the story was essentially like, there's a culture of like, overworking at TikTok. And (laughs) there was somebody, there's a friend of mine who interviewed at TikTok essentially for my same team. And his story validated my experience, essentially. Like he, he went in for an interview and the person interviewing him was like, oh my God, like started off the conversation like this was like, oh my God, you know, I haven't slept in, in, in two weeks, but you know what? I'm loving every second of it. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to work here. (laughs) (laughs) like what but it's weird there's like people at certain companies that literally brag about how much they work you know i mean there's what there's like i get liking your job but like wouldn't you rather spend time with your kids and friends and family and it's so weird but on the other side not every corporation is like that right like there Mm -hmm. are companies that value both sides of it and there's some people there's some people saying that they got a oh melissa says she has a funny story love to share i I got scored low on my evaluation and my manager told me it was because i need to do more than just my job yo make it make sense what make it make sense yo i was also at the conference that i did the other day somebody came up to me it was like yo you need to like talk to my manager because i just had a performance review and the only reason I got a low evaluation is because my manager told me I need to dress more professionally. Huh? I I need to tell you this story and I'm not going to disclose names, but a couple years early into my career, I remember this woman came in for an interview, black woman, beautiful outfit. And I remember 
complimenting her on her outfit because she had this really dope like v-neck type of shirt but it was super classy and you know she came in did the interview left everyone was smiling laughing so I'm like she for sure got it like I could tell and I remember overhearing a conversation like her shirt was way too low and her boobs were sticking out too much and they were talking about everything but her skill set and what she brought to the table. And I'm listening to this conversation and I'm like, are they are they serious right now? They're judging this woman based on what she's wearing instead of instead of like looking at her as a professional and seeing the value that she brings to the company. Like it blew my mind, Pavel. And that was, I think, the first time that I'm like, ooh, these spaces were not built for a lot of a lot of people. You know what I mean? They were built for a certain type of person that looks a certain type of way. And this is why I love the work that you're doing is like, how can we recreate these spaces and redefine these spaces so that it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter if you're wearing a shirt that's a V-neck and you have boobs, like women have boobs, like it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's not like it was hella out, but I'm like, can we live in a place in the world where like, where we're kind of like, like what you said, professionalism, like, can we be judged on that versus you know, like judge for what we're wearing and how we physically show up. Like it's wild. Yeah. Melissa. And this brings up going back to your point. She was saying that me scoring low made me not be able to utilize the educational benefits they provide to get better. I was so wow. hurt. So yeah, like your performance review isn't just like this feedback cycle. Like it really impacts how you get, how much you get paid, but I didn't know it impacted some benefits. Like I've, I've never worked at a company like that, but that's really interesting. That's wild. Yo, yo shout out to Philip checking out the TikTok. The Get Pavel did a whole TikTok series on how professionalism is not how you dress. Hey. Go up. <laughs> Let's go. Shout out to the squad. We got another comment. Um, is this an American culture thing of trying to work a hundred hours or more than your peers, we brag about how much we work and then wonder why our employees burn out so fast and leave to other firms. Mm. That's interesting. I mean, so TikTok, interesting. TikTok in particular, they're owned by ByteDance. They're, they're a Chinese-owned company. So they have a completely different work culture. So like the references that I'm making is more so to my experience there. And it's interesting too, actually, going back to my TikTok experience, that same person that I'm talking about, someone on their performance review shared feedback with them and said, like, you're working too much, <laughs> which I've never heard someone say that to somebody. But wow. we need to have those conversations. They essentially said, like, yo, by you working too much, you're setting a standard of how much we should be working below you. Like everyone else should be working below you. Right. Because that's what mm -hmm. happens. We look up at people as our leaders and say, like, oh, well, if they're doing that, then I need to do that. Right. So. I think it takes leaders to like set the tone on, yeah, like take your time off, go on vacation, like take a half day on Friday, whatever the hell it is. You know what I mean? Right. But like it takes leaders to show that work life balance for other people to almost like get permission from them. Oh, a hundred percent. It's it's the representation for sure. Like if you don't see it, you don't think it exists or it's an option for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh we got a comment from Carlene. Can we talk about how privilege, how the privileged are not held to the same level of accountability as BIPOC employees? Oh, girl, we can have a whole conversation <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, some people use company culture as one of the ways companies gatekeep. Gatekeeping is real. <laughs> Facts. That's that's a big point too. Um, it's a type A people they hire 
then become managers. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, you want to know something funny about manager? Like, I became a manager. I mean, I'm, I'm happy I became a manager, but, like, I don't know if I was qualified to become a manager. I just became a manager because, like, I was good at my job. It's not like I had manager training. Like, they literally was just like, you're a manager now. I'm like, oh, all right. You didn't have any training at all? No, no. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I'm talking, yo, it was fascinating. So, I mean, on some level, I was like, ooh, yeah, I get to put director on my title now. But also, I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? And am I setting the person up that I'm hiring up for success? You know what I mean? Like, the only ooh. training that I received was, like, how to interview somebody. <laughs> like, that's it. But now I'm, like, responsible for somebody's career. Yeah. I think that should happen so often. Like, I feel like mad managers, they get manager positions just because they're good at their job, not because they're good at potentially being a manager. Yeah. I mean, I could see you being a good manager, but I see what you're saying. Like, I see like that, that pressure of like, okay, like now I have to worry about my career and all these other folks' careers and hope you can do a good job and do right by them. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's that I get that pressure. I was a manager one time for an intern. For like three months and i felt so much pressure and i'm like i don't know if i could do this like i'm not cut out to do this job <laughs> um but it's a lot and how did you how was that manager experience for you like were you hiring did you have a full team like did you have were you hiring people like how was that experience i just i just have one person so i mean i love the experience yeah i want to continue in management like it, it's so i feel like although only had one person on my team i felt like I was creating a culture within the team. Again, just two people. But yeah. I felt like, and even the type of things that the person I was managing was working on compared to her peers, it was way different and different in a good way. Cause I was like, oh, like I noticed like the other people that like are at your level are not doing these same things. And she's like, oh no, no, please don't take it away from me. I like doing these things. I was like, oh, all right, keep, keep doing it. Right. But almost like giving her an opportunity to work on things above her level. Whereas like other people at her level were not given the opportunity. Um, right. Just because like you're like reporting into me doesn't mean like you can't be working on the same things as me. Like if that's what you want to work on, shit, there's enough work to go around for 10 more people. So like, who am I to stop you? You know what I mean? Whereas like other yeah. people I think were stopping people from working on certain things because they're not at the level to do that. And I was like, who cares? Or do you think some people, I mean, I've been super lucky where I feel like I've had really dope managers, but I've heard horror stories of like my managers trying to gatekeep for me. Like they're in, they're kind of focused really? on their own career and they, they don't want me to like surpass them or like, you know what I mean? I hear horror stories like that all the time. And I'm like, that your managers can make or break your experience for sure. Wait, give me an example. Like how would somebody, how did somebody gatekeep things from you? Um, I, I heard the story a couple years ago um, of someone wanting to be a part of this like project that was kind of above her. And I guess the story goes, and I feel like I'm butchering this. So I feel like I'm, it's not fair that I'm saying it, but something that their manager was just kind of like, no, like, I don't think you should work on that. And like kind of convinced her that it wasn't a good idea. And then the manager ended up working on it. And instead of her, I don't know, again, what this was or what the details are. But I remember hearing that story and just feeling like, that's not okay. You know what I mean? Like that, that was your opportunity. And like, 
it sounds like she took it away from you. And that was a couple of years ago. I don't remember like what the full conversation was, but I think that those stories do exist like in and, in and out of tech. You know what I mean? It's not just in tech, but I think it, it happens everywhere where someone feels the pressure for their own career, which I understand, but how much of that pressure do they have for their own career where they're thinking about themselves and not their team? You know yeah, I mean? yo, and somebody put such a good comment in here, Melissa, or managers are scared that they that they're whoever they're managing is going to outperform them. Yo, I'm not gonna lie. I had that fear. Yo, I don't even know if Alexia is in here. Shout out to Alexia <laughs> Victor. She used to be on my team. She is so good at her job. <laughs> yo, she would do shit. And I'm just like, how the did you make that spreadsheet? And like all of this shit was like color coordinated. And I'm, but the whole time for me, I was like, I was telling her straight up, I was like, yo, literally, I wanna amplify you. Like, tell me what you wanna mm -hmm. work on. Like, let's put it in front of the right people. Like, I want your work to scale beyond us. And that's what yeah. happened. Like, literally took her work, I uh, like put her in front of like the VP and was like, look at the great work that she's doing type of shit. But I'm not gonna lie. That shit was kind of intimidating. That's yeah. <laughs> and like, you know what? Someone someone just put this in the chat, Sue. She said insecure managers who compete with their subordinates like are dangerous. And that's what you're talking about. Like you were you were secure in your role, even though there was a little bit of like, damn, out there. But no, like she's the me. fact that you had <laughs> but it takes a certain type of manager that is secure in themselves to like do that for the folks who are reporting to them for their direct reports you know i again i feel like i'm really lucky i had really dope managers still have really dope managers but again when i hear these horror stories it really it just makes me feel a type of way and it makes me feel like at the end of the day we all replaceable like we all can just like be done with like that and the company won't care you know what i mean i think it's it's a scary reality where it's like, let's be on the same boat together because we got to, like, we got to like amplify our work because how hard is it for us to be in these spaces and stay in these spaces and make an impact within these spaces? Big facts. Yeah. I mean, we're all on the same team. Like if you're going to help me and everybody else get the job done, like come aboard. Right. Like we a team. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny. I'm, I'm gonna go off topic a little bit. But like, speaking of the team, me and my mans were like, we were arguing the other day. And then we had a moment where we're like, we're on the same team. Like, let's not, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and we just ended up laughing about it. But I think sometimes we do have to remind ourselves like, yo, we're on a team. Like, this is what your success is my success. And I can stand firm in my belief and in my confidence that I'm also successful while standing in your presence of success too. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. so yeah, this is my job. I'm gonna go now. Communicating, <laughs> growing together. Look at that. Like grown shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, I, I think it's just grown shit. I think it's almost, and you know, speaking about careers, I feel like I similarly to how I feel like I've grown in just being a partner and being in relationship. I feel like I've also, kind of like filtered through the naiveness that I had of working in in just these spaces of like corporate and just working like in the workplace in general. I feel like I was so naive to like 
these people love me. I'm like, they're going to take <laughs> care of me and like, I'm good. Um, so really feeling like, and this is not a bad thing, but I just feel like things have happened in my career where I'm like, everyone is, you gotta, you gotta watch out for your own self, you know, at the end of the day. Cause like, as much as you think everyone cares about you and everybody rocks with you, like you really have to look out for your own career and map that out yourself. Cause nobody's going to do it for you. And it's who that, that was a reality moment for me, I think in the last few years. Yeah. I've, I always say that, you know, people are going to eat, like, even if you're outspoken about a certain thing, I feel like people are going to rock with you until it impacts their own team. You know that what I mean? Part. Like, I remember when I was working at TikTok, like people would applaud me and be like, oh my God, you're so brave, this and that. Until I did, until I wrote certain posts that impacted their specific role a little bit more specifically. Not that I targeted people, like, but let's say I did a Black Lives Matter post and it was like potentially one of our clients that they were pitching. I was like, if they're doing some fuck shit, I'm gonna write about it, right? But yeah. when it started impacting their specific role, then they're like, yo, you should have you shouldn't do that. You blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, when I shared my salary transparently and it potentially made their job a little bit more difficult when it came to hiring because they needed to spend a little bit more money to get the talent that they wanted to get and they couldn't cut corners anymore. Then they were like, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. But everything before that was all gravy. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's. That's what I think about for you. It's just like, to your point, it's right. Like, as much as people show that they care for you, like, do they really? Or is it just that you haven't pushed their button yet? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I mean, I've experienced that in my career where I felt like somebody really had my back in every moment. And then the minute I wasn't valuable, um, AKA the minute I left was, I didn't feel that same like partnership and like relationship as before. And I'm like, wait, were they rocking with me just because I was bringing value to them? Like now they're done with me. They're like, okay, well, bye. Well, bye. Like on to the next, like it hurts a little bit, you know, it hurts your ego a little bit of like, <laughs> yeah, cover your own ass. That's really how it feels <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a, it's just like a weird reality. Like but it's, it's reality. Everybody's in it for themselves. And you got to know that before you trust a person with like, todo, you know, how much more does that make you want to lean into things you do outside of work? Oh, all the time. Like, I think it's a, <laughs> I, I love my career. I love what I do. <laughs> and I love my podcast. And I can't, I, I feel like I need, <laughs> I need the career to fund the stuff that I love to do. And I love to, I think it just makes me lean into my work so much more because that's what fills my cup. Like that's, this thing fills my my pockets and it fills my soul sometimes, but like this right here fills every part of me. You know what I mean? Like it's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's what's dope about, and I, I, you probably feel this too being an entrepreneur, but like what I love about it, I'm like, this is mine. No one can take this away from me. Like. I'm not replaceable in this realm. Like I may be replaceable here, but like, this is mine and I'm creating this, I'm building this, like it's my baby and no one can take it away from me. You know what I mean? Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Quintuetas podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. It just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible. Scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you and see you next week.